everyone and welcome back to the Football Sugar Podcast. My name is Thomas Durning and today I'm joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing well. And we also have uh, a debut on the podcast today in the name of Tommy McLaughlin. Hello Tommy. Hello everyone. Hello. On today's podcast we'll be reacting to the latest football results from the English Premier League uh, Scottish Premier League and also last weekend's El Clasico. We will also be discussing this year, but this year's Ballon d'Or awards, and Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be reacting to last weekend's uh, English Premier League results. So I'll just quickly go through them. So it finished: Crystal Palace one, Tottenham two, Chelsea nil, Brentford two, Bournemouth two, Burnley one, Arsenal five, Sheffield United nil, Wolves two. Newcastle 2, West Ham 0, Everton 1, Aston Villa 3, Luton Town 1, Brighton 1, Fulham 1, Liverpool 3, Nottingham Forest 0, and Man United 0, Man City 3. So, Piers, starting off with you, which match or matches stands out to you the most and why? Well, in terms of the, the title race, um, and obviously the, the, the match that stands out to me, it would definitely be the, the Friday night match, which was the Crystal Palace 1, Tottenham 2. And also, I think we've got to touch on the, the Manchester derby. So it's Manchester United 0, Man City 3. But I think we'll first start with the, the Crystal Palace game at Selhurst Park against Tottenham. And um, again, I thought Tottenham played like potential top four slash title contenders. Like, I thought it was a very professional performance. Again, another really good result away from home. And they just go from strength to strength. Son with another, another goal um, to add to his tally. Um, his impressive tally at the start of the season. Um, so I think that was a standout fixture for me. And Ange Ball just keeps rolling on and um, just kind of picking up result after result. And it's um, it's refreshing to see uh, in terms of the really really attacking style of football. Um, in terms of the Manchester derby, I thought Man City comfortable winners in the end. Um, I don't think Manchester United really laid a glove on. Um, on, on the rivals at all and um, you can just see a golfing class between the two sides and um, that's now uh, Man City starting to pick up cons- consistent results and um, they're uh, closing the gap on um, Tottenham to now uh, two points so um, in terms of the title race it's heating right up Yourself Tommy <clears throat> I'd have to say like I'd uh, agree with the Manchester Derby because uh, I, I, I watched uh, the it live and I have to say, like Man City, they they just have so much like kind of quality compared to Man U- Manchester United, because I feel as if since like uh, Ten Hag's taken over, I feel as if Manchester United have just lost the quality that they used to have, and I feel as if he's a massive part of that because he's got so much kind of like personality that he's not going to like give it up, and I feel as if Pep Guardiola, his his tactics are just amazing. Like he's got Haaland and De Bruyne playing off each other, and it's just hard to stop. Yeah, I think there's only one match for me as well that stands out, and that was what you were just talk- talking about the Man United Man City match. It was just comfortable, a comfortable performance from Man City. It's probably their best performance of the season as well. Um, <clears throat> and uh, also just point out Aston Villa beating Luton Town 3 1. I think that's, I think that's their 12 uh, home one in a row or something. So, uh, I so day two results for me 
stand out the most. Um, yeah, I would say Chelsea in the Brentford game, but I don't think that's much of a surprise anymore, to be honest. So, um, we also had European, uh, we also had English teams playing in uh, Europe last week, and they included uh, Man United to Copenhagen, uh, which finished 1-0 Man United. We had Sevilla 1, Arsenal 2, Newcastle 0, Dortmund 1, Young Boys 1, Man City 3, um, <clears throat> Olympiacos 2, West Ham 1, Brighton 2, Ajax 0, Liverpool 5, Toulouse 1, and AZ 1, Aston Villa 4. Um, so what do you think about uh, the kind of matches? Um, is there one there that surprised you or stands out to you? What do you think? Um, well, I think the one, two, two results that stand out to me. Um, so it'd be Manchester United 1, Copenhagen 0. And Sevilla won Arsenal too. Um, so in terms of Manchester United um getting their first victory of the Champions League group stage, which is massive for them. And again, they didn't have a great the greatest of games. Um they struggled to really create anything and break them break uh, the Danish side down. Um and obviously managed to get a goal through the the man that gets stick constantly from the fans, and that's Harry Maguire. Which I feel as if it's unmerited at times, and I do feel as if that was kind of a turn, hopefully a turning point for him because I think he is a quality defender. Um, just that he he's like a scapegoat at times, and also we all know he's not got a, he's not got a real burst of pace. But the fact is, you know, the defense has got uh, plagued with injuries, and he's been one of the standard performers recently. And then obviously, Andre Onana saving the penalty at the end, kind of. Winning back some of the critics because he said a woeful start to his um, campaign as Manchester United goalkeeper, and of course it had to be saved against um, former Manchester United and obviously former Barcelona and Celtic striker Hemet Larson's son Jordan, which you expect him to just um, put it away. But obviously, guess right and good big hand to get the the three points. And in terms of severe Arsenal, I thought. Um, Sevilla is usually quite a hostile place to go to um, for, ma- for many teams in Europe. And they're the Europe League serial winners. So for Arsenal to go and get two a 2-1 win and uh, at the end it looked quite comfortable. Um, and obviously some quality goals on show as well. And I thought Gabriel Zeus' goal was the pick of the bunch. And um, yeah, Arsenal just go from strength to strength as well. Hi. Um, what about yourself, Tony? I'd definitely say the Man U Copenhagen game because I feel as if like when I was watching the game, uh, I feel as if they've not got really a, a leader in the team. They kinda yes, they beat Copenhagen, but Copenhagen are not like a massive like kind of European team. Yes, they make it to Europe every year, but like they're not gonna like win the Champions League. So like you expect Man U to beat them, but only by one goal. It was was that a very good performance and I feel as if Bruno Fernandez is not a leader for them. They need to change captain or get someone that can actually lead the team. I agree. Um, I think Bruno Fernandez. He just moans and I think he just moans too much. And um, when the when it when the team's not when the team's not doing well, I think he's. I don't think he really acts. Uh, well, when you compare it to Roy Keane, for example, you know he was. You know he was like the perfect leader. Um, so I agree with that. But but the match that stands out to me. Uh, <clears throat> it's probably the Brighton Ajax game just because that's Brighton's first ever win in Europe and the fact that they beat you know a club like Ajax who you know 
that the, the history they've got, you know, with the European football, uh, European titles they've got, they've been in the semi-final Champions League like a few years ago. And then just, it's not really related to European matches, but I think that's Ajax bottom of the table now in the Dutch league, which is, which is mental. Um, you know, um, you know that that's a lot of trouble they're in at the moment. So that game stands out to me the most just because of the the fact that Brighton won the first ever European match and the fact that it was against a, a top top side like Ajax. Um, so we will now move on to discussing last weekend's Scottish Premier League matches. So I'll just quickly again run through the results. So it was Hibs nil, Celtic nil, Livingston nil, Dundee two, Morrowell three, Ross County three, St Johnston four. Uh, sorry, St Mirren four, St Johnston nil, Kilmarnock two, Aberdeen nil, and Rangers two, Hearts one. So just quickly before we kind of talk about the results, um, uh, it was uh, on Sunday we found out that the St Johnston manager Stephen McLean um, was sacked after his side were defeated by St Mirren. So, uh, anyone is uh, is there a match there or matches that stands out to you? Yeah, um, I think I'm going to go with two matches. I think the Hibs nil, Celtic nil, and St Mirren four, St Johnston nil. Um, so I think we'll start with the one at Easter Road. Um, thought it was a pretty dull affair. There wasn't really many clear-cut chances for either side, I think. A draw in the end was a fair result. Um, and obviously Celtic um, dropping points and allowing Rangers to close that gap, which they did on on Sunday. Um, but no, I th- thought that wasn't a great spectacle. And obviously I think... Well, the fatigue of um, the midweek game in Europe really took out the Celtic side and there wasn't many changes from that side and um, the European hangover, it, it was evident because there was just a, a lack of energy and a lack of um, sharpness in, in, in Celtic's play and um, Hibs um, following the humbling from Rangers the week before, which was four, probably going on ten at times. Um, they were really resolute and um, they they stopped Celtic from um, cutting them open um, and I thought that was a really good performance from them and in terms of St Mirren St Johnston um, St Mirren 4-0 um, another fantastic result and um, another great um, start to season uh, they're having as well and um, Stephen Robinson is just going from strength to strength and that team is just so solid um, and there's a reason why they're in the top half of the table and pushing for the European places because they don't give up many goals and when they go forward they're, they're a handful for teams in terms of set pieces and and, and knockdowns and stuff like that so I think that is a standout fixture for me and obviously St Johnson going through a turbulent time at the moment and, um, but regardless you can only beat what's in front of you and uh, St Mirren are doing that uh, time and time again mm-hmm. um, Any ad for me? Uh, I'd have to say the the Celtic Celtic game kind of stood out to me because when I was watching it, I feel as if, uh, as Pierre said uh, very very accurately, like it was a very fair result no no because I felt as if Celtic didn't create enough and uh, there's some chances that they could have scored and also Hibs had some chances they could have scored and I felt as if the refereeing in the match was very very bad and it was it was very very consistent and I feel as if like. Scottish leagues, it's consistent. The referees are always like horrible throughout every game in the Scottish Premier League. Sure. Yeah, um, <clears throat> the game for me, I, that Murray Ross County game looked 
that looked like a great game. Uh, there was like I think up till seventieth minute that was no no in that game, and then it was like last twenty minutes it was just six goals. Uh, I think Motherwell scored in the last minute. I think it was that seventeen year old. I think he was making he was only like his second appearance or something for Motherwell. So that was that's quite a good story of that. Um, but the the biggest game for me is um, you know this St Johnson game obviously St Johnson manager getting sacked. Um, you know I think they haven't they haven't won a game yet in the league. Um, you know they've had a really tough time at the moment. Uh, it doesn't really, it looks pretty bleak for them at the moment. Uh, I think Neil Lennon's touted as kind of taking that job. I think he was he was asked about it. I think he wants the. I think he wouldn't mind taking it. So, uh, keep your eye out for that one. Um, so yeah, the game for me that stands out is uh, it's the St Mirren game. Um, but we had also teams last week playing in Europe, um, in Scotland. So there was just three of them. Um, and the results were Celtic 2, Atletico Madrid 2, um, Sparta Prague 0, Rangers 0, and Aberdeen 2, PAOK Salonica 3. So again, anyone is... Um, well, actually, we're just going to go through them, actually. So we'll just start off with the Celtic game. So um, what did you think about that? So um, Celtic game, I thought um, Celtic were outstanding for the, probably about an hour of the game. And then they just kind of tired towards the end and... Athletic Madrid showed their class in terms of substitutes, which added uh, freshness and energy. And, and obviously, they kind of, Celtic were kind of clinging on at the end in terms of they had to change shape to a five-at-the-back system to bring more solidity. And then, obviously, the front the front line was tiring because you had to take off Kyogo and uh, Luis Palma. Um, but no, golf did a perfect start and then... Um, Unlucky not to win the match in the end, um. But at that level, um, you you're going to have moments against you, um. And obviously, Athletic Madrid punished Celtic in the moments that they had, um. Very few, um. To be honest, but I thought Celtic were outstanding in terms of the the, the way they moved the ball, the quickness of the speed of the play, um. The press and they win the ball back, and I thought, um. The assist and the movement for the first goal was outstanding. Celtic off to a phenomenal start, and um, Matt O'Reilly yet again proving why he's having the season of his life so far. And he'll go another Champions League goal, which is um, now two, two and three matches for him, which is a monkey off his back from last season because he never scored in the Champions League at all. Um, but no, I thought that was a phenomenal result. I don't know if it'll be enough to potentially see Celtic through into the um, European football beyond Christmas, but. It certainly was a great performance by them. Mm-hmm. You agree, Tommy? Yeah, I would agree. I would also like like Tad as well. Like, uh, like uh, a lot of people are talking about like the, a lot of the penalty the penalty decisions. Like, uh, for instance, Atletico Madrid they got a very soft penalty, and uh, Celtic could have had a penalty with skills. But I would also like to add, like Atletico Madrid played very very well, so I think it's a fair result the two two, and. Uh, if you think about how how impressive Athletic Madrid's lineup is, I would I would take a two to draw over a loss any day. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a great performance to Celtic as well. You know, you as you just said there, Tommy. You know, the quality of that Athletic Madrid. You know, it's all there to see. You know, especially Antoine Griezmann, who I think hmm. I think is a brilliant player. Um, you know, I feel Celtic deserve to win in my opinion. I think they I think they've done enough in the game to win. Um. But I just want to ask you, do you think Celtic will get into the last 16? 
Um, I don't think Celtic in the last sixteen. I think the they've shown that they can compete against those sides, but it's just fine margins. And I think obviously taking only one point from possible nine is not enough. Um, but I do think Celtic will potentially qualify into the Europa League in the third place. Mm. What about what would you think, Tommy? Yeah or no? I, I I'm going to remain hopeful. I'm going to say yes. Because I, I can see the quality that Celtic have in the midfield and the chances they can create. It's just if we can uh, withhold the pressure of attacks from the other positions because there's so much quality in our group. So I know we can score goals. It's just if we can hold off conceding goals. That's the main kind of forte, I would say. Yeah, um, I just don't think they have enough, to be honest. Just because of the fact that, you know, I don't think... I think the home games you need to win them all, in my opinion, to kind of get to the last 16. But I think they're in for a chance to get to the, um, you know, Europa League. Uh, you know, I think the fact that they, ha- they had to get something from that game last week against Artesco, and the fact that they have, um, you know, I think that gives them a real good chance of getting to Europa League. But also, um, we have to point out that Hatati got injured last week, and he's now out. I, um, it got confirmed, I think, yesterday that he's out until after Christmas. And Celtic have big games coming up in the Champions League, so um, yeah, it's an interesting one. So I don't that might be a big vote. That's that's a pretty big goal for them. So I I just don't think they'll have enough, but still think they're in for a chance in Europa League. Um, yeah. So Sparta Prague Rangers now now my opinion, I it wasn't the greatest game to watch to be honest. Um, you know, yeah, I thought Rangers kind of struggled really in that game, um, away from home, but they did manage to get a point, and 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 an away point in Europe, so, um. It's crucial. Um, what we used to just agree what I said or yeah. see any difference? Yeah, second, uh, yeah, your thoughts on the match. Um, I, I really think that Rangers put in a really poor performance. Um, struggled to get any foothold in the game, and I didn't think they really created anything of note. Um, but yet again, you can see why the sign of Jack Butland has proved to be successful so far. Um, I think he's been the sign of the summer for Rangers out of the summer recruits for Michael Beale. Um. He made at least about four or five uh, ridiculous saves to keep them in the in the in the tie, uh, in, sorry in the game, um and also I think a point away from home against Sparta Prague is a good result, um because they're a good European side, um and that's same uh, obviously, uh, Abdul Simas old side as well, so he he didn't know all about them, um and obviously Rangers went into the match without a a, a recognised left back because obviously. Yilmaz wasn't registered and Barisic pulled up an injury um, uh, last weekend as well, so uh, the week before, sorry. Um, so that was a they had to re- reshuffle, obviously Clermont, and then obviously I think taking a result away from home is good in terms of a point because obviously the next match is now Sparta Prague in a couple of weeks at Ibrox. I think Rangers would fancy their chances at home. So I think um, not losing it, the match was um, a terrific result and obviously that now leaves them on four points for three matches. Yeah. Um, what about yourself, Tommy? Do you think during the match? Well, I'd have to agree with Pierce's like opinion. Like uh, Jack Butland has been like outstanding for Rangers. Uh, uh, like their the back line has not been very strong at defending. And I would also say like uh, I like to add like I think they're missing Ryan Kent. I know Ryan Kent wasn't really like big game player, but like he he did like run at defenders and take them on. He didn't have the best record, but he was also like just creating like chances. I feel so Rangers like the players that they brought in, like they brought in four strikers, and they're just 
nullifying their chances. They're not very agile, and they're just wait. They're just like kind of holder strikers, all of them. So they're all take the same type of strikers. I think they've they've just wasted a lot of money. Yeah, I actually agree. We can like in a way, I think Morelos as well a wee bit. Just that kind of, uh, you know, I think they missed some sort. I think they missed they're missing something up front. Morelos is quite a presence up front and. You know when he was at when he was on it. You know he was kind of he, he gets stuck in a lot, and he, I think he's their top scorer. Um, uh, uh, their uh, top scoring. I don't think anyone's scored more European goals than him for That's Rangers. Okay. Uh, so you know, on the coast, eh? Aye, so you know, see what you know. What I mean, like it's, you know, um, you know that, that that's that's a big miss. That um, so I I do think they are missing some key players for last season. Um, you know, and I think you know. Like Ryan Kent, as Tommy said, you know, I think he is quite, I think, although he didn't really come up with a lot of goals and assists, you know, he was always a threat in the game. And I think Rangers kind of do miss that at the moment, um, you know. So, yeah. And then finally, um, we've got the aberdeen Pyot game. You know, we've got Tommy here with Aberdeen. Top one, I don't know how, how he's feeling here, but, um, yeah, that was a mental game. That, that was crazy. Um, you know, obviously Aberdeen 2-0 two, two up and then the last... Kind of twenty minutes or so in the game, Payot managed to get three goals. What do you think? How do you go, Tommy? I'd, I'd like to start. Yeah, I'd <laughs> have to say like they had a great start to the game. Like they were like dominating. Like the, the chances and the creations was uh, outstanding. It was like Aberdeen that I know and love. And uh, when it came to the penalty decision they should have had with Jack McKenzie getting cleaned out in the box and play on, I felt as if it kind of took a little bit of the spirit out of the Aberdeen team. And that's when they kind of crumbled and conceded the the two extra goals. So was, I think it was two one at the time. Uh, and I think they just fell away at the time, and I feel as if they felt as if the referee was against them, and they just lost the spirit when Jack McKenzie didn't win the decision. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with Tommy. Um, I think Jack McKenzie uh, decision was a game changer in terms of it was for me just a more penalty. Um. And obviously at that time it was two one, um, and obviously if I've Re- Aberdeen then go three one up, then at home you expect them to go and see the game out, but it then you're only you're still only a goal in front with two one. So and obviously Paul then get a goal and then obviously they nick the one at the end, um, and like we said we touched on uh, last week, Paul's a a great European side in terms of they always usually punch both the weight and a uh, great side, home and away in Europe of um been putting up some terrific results, not just against Scottish sides, but also against English sides as well. Um, so no, I think that was a, a sickening blow for Aberdeen. Um, and hopefully they can bounce back because um, like Tommy said in the first half, I thought they were outstanding. Yeah, yeah, so did I. Um I was I was you know, that's that, that that's a kick in the stomach with that result. Um the fact that you're going to a lot, you know, and I think the fact now they've lost that game, I think the chances are getting of Getting out of the group and into the knockouts, I think's I think's disappeared a wee bit. Um, you know, especially the fact the game is at home as well. Um, yeah, so uh, I feel for you, Tommy. Feel for you. Uh, <laughs> maybe next thing. Uh so I will just quickly talk about the the El Classico match, uh, which was at the weekend. So that was um Barcelona Real Madrid. That finished two one Real Madrid. Um you know, so obviously Jude Bellingham, uh you know, got the two goals for Real Madrid. Uh, I think one was in the last minute as well, to, which meant that Real Madrid won the game. Uh, and that also extends Real Madrid's gap between Barcelona and Real Madrid. You know, Real Madrid um, 
now in a stronger position ahead of Barcelona. So, what did you think about the match? What, 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 what actually, what do you think about just Jude Bellingham? You know, it's just it's an, it's amazing at the moment what he's doing. Yeah, I think uh, Jude Bellingham's going from strength to strength, and I don't think anyone's ever seen or predicted the the meteoric rise from Borussia City to Dortmund to then Real Madrid, where he just hit the ground running. And as a central midfielder, I think he's more of a box-to-box midfielder. But the fact is, with Real Madrid losing uh, Karim Benzema unexpectedly in the summer, because they, they they were all prepared for losing him in 2024. And that's when they were planning on moving for um, Kylian Mbappe, who I still think will go. But um, Bellingham's being asked to play is basically like a false nine. Um, and the numbers he's put up is like, and it's almost like kind of Cristiano Ronaldo in his first season at Real Madrid. Um, so it's unheard of from midfielder, and he's never really been a goal scoring midfielder in terms of numbers. He's, I don't think he's broke ten goals a season in his professional career so far. So, and to do it, probably one of the biggest clubs in the world. And the fact is, the amount of goals he's scoring, they're not just like, like you say, a goal when you're winning three four nil. It's like last minute winners like every week now. And obviously he got an equaliser through the Glasgow by hitting a top corner straight from 25 yards. And then a, a poacher's goal in the last minutes, the last couple of minutes. So no, um, I think he scored in his La Liga debut, his Bernabeu debut, um, his Champions League debut for Real Madrid, and obviously the Glasgow debut, he scored two goals, which um, is an amazing achievement. And in terms of the El Clasico result, I think that's a... An amazing result for Real Madrid and obviously Real Madrid are quite um favourable to get results away from home. Um both sides are. Um I don't know what it is in this fixture, but both sides seem to pick up better results away from home. Um but also I would like to touch on the fact it's a top of the league joint with um FC Girona, who I think again are the the kind of underdog story this season in La Liga and um potentially could do a Leicester City. And hopefully win the league, and um, because that would be an unheard of um, achievement, because they've only spent eleven million euros this summer, and they lost four key players from last season. Mhm. And to add, Tony. I'd have to add there. Uh, I'd have to say uh, with the money that uh, when uh, Jude Bellingham got bought, I was like, I was quite skeptical because it's a it's a massive pressure of the price tag of a hundred million, but. He had to take this guy does not mess about. He he got he, he actually retired his number at Birmingham City. That that means you know he's for business. And he also before he went to Real Madrid, I think it was Dortmund or something. Uh, he went to Manu like for like uh, mm-hmm. talking yeah. to him, and he didn't go to him because they weren't giving him first team football. And he says, "I know my value," and he's just yeah. proving his value. He's just putting up the numbers for Real Madrid, and. I, I'm I'm just gonna put it out there. I think he could actually be a potential Ballon d'Or winner with the stats he's putting out because you think about that's like a striker's stats, like and he's a he's a centre mid. And I even compare him to Musiala, but he's far more more influential than Musiala will ever be. Yeah, I agree. I think I I bet the Ballon d'Or, I think he's gonna end up winning it. The way he's going, it's just it's ridiculous. It really is. Uh, also the fact that he had the pressure of um uh, you know, having the number five shot, you know that that was what was a damn war that he did, and then he's just come in and it's just, it's, it's like it's it's just going every game. It's like, it's it's it's, it's, it's I never expected it. I don't even think he was that prolific at Borussia Dortmund, to be honest. 
but I think he's just been given more kind of freedom at Real Madrid. Um, I think he's playing higher up the pitch as well, and I mean it's it's what well, I mean what what a start his career at Real Madrid it really is. He's fastly turned into a, you know it could I mean I think it's too early to say he's a legend, but no, it's far too early to say that to be honest. But you know <laughs> the way he's going at the moment, you know it's you know I mean it's scary to be honest, like the the heights he can reach. Uh, so yeah, but in terms of the result as well, it's a great result for Real Madrid. Um, you know. You know, it's um, you know, obviously it's great to beat Barcelona away from home as well. Um, and you're right, Pierce. So there, there does seem to be something that they always win away from home rather than at home. Uh, so yeah, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So we also had the Ballon d'Or ceremony yesterday at the time of recording this. So I'll just quickly just say that Lionel Messi won his eighth Ballon d'Or of his career. Uh, Jude Bellingham won Best Talent. Um. You know, in the world, uh, Emiliano Martinez won best goalkeeper in the world, uh, and Erling Holland won the best striker in uh, of the year award as well. So, do you agree with these awards, or do you think somebody else deserved an award? What do you think? Um, I don't necessarily agree with the Ballon d'Or uh, award. I don't think Messi deserved it, in my opinion. Um, I think he had a phenomenal World Cup, but he did score six penalties. And the the lead up to the the trophy, um, and obviously, like you said, it's a it's a Ballon d'Or for the calendar year. It's not just a Ballon d'Or for two months or a month, um, and also that was back in November, the World Cup in Qatar. That was twenty twenty two, um, and I don't think he had the best of seasons last year at PSG, um, when it came to the crunch games in Champions League, yeah, he was found wanting, um, and in terms of now he's now playing in MLS, and I don't really see the difference between him and Cristiano Ronaldo. Because the MLS is pretty similar to the Saudi League in terms of its like potential retirement league and earns a, a bag load of money. Um and obviously the fact is is a record eighth is ridiculous. I think Messi's one of the best players of all time. Um so, so I think like that's an, a phenomenal achievement in itself. But I just think the the fact that Erling Haaland scored over fifty goals last season and they won a, a treble in Manchester City. I just feel as if it was it should have been awarded to Erling Haaland, and in terms of the other awards, I think Bellingham fully deserve of the young, uh, the best young player in the world, and um, because his goal scoring record last season and uh, helping them win a treble for Manchester City, uh, and then obviously uh, Emmy Martinez for Argentina and Aston Villa, I thought he was outstanding because he's proven that um, Aston Villa are now in Europe, and obviously. Like you touched on earlier, twelve league wins at home in a row, which is unheard of. And obviously, he was his key save in the World Cup final against uh, Kuala Moani, made sure that um, Argentina won the World Cup. Yeah, so that's my thoughts on the the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, well, but you're talking. Do you think? Do you agree with them all? Do you think somebody else should have got an award? What do you think? I can agree with it, all the awards because I think a lot of people. Uh, misunderstand that Messi performances it's for the best player award not the best goal scorer not the best stats award it's for the best if you actually watch football you you understand that Messi won it and it, it was not even close because yes Haaland got a record breaking result a treble win but he was nothing without De Bruyne De Bruyne was the best player at Man City he won the best playmaker award because he created everything Haaland did and the team around Haaland, if he was playing for like a team like 
PSG, and he and didn't have Messi. Look at look at PSG after Messi left, and Bappe was not putting up the stats. So I feel as if people misunderstand Messi's performance for PSG. He was very good at goal contributions and creating chances and that. And that's what Messi's about, and he won the World Cup. So I would say it was well deserved. Yeah, I'm kind of in between with this one because uh, I get both. I get both sides, you know. You know, obviously, with Messi winning the World Cup, you know, that's him completed football, you know. Um, you know, and it kind of, like, it's just, and, like, what he's done for football as well. I I don't know. I just think with this Ballon d'Or that he won this year, I think it was more just, a, like, a, you know, like a thank you in terms of, like, the fact what he's done for football. I don't think, I mean, you can base it on what he's done for the full year because at club level, he, you know, he hadn't really done, he didn't really have a good... He didn't have a good time at PSG. And, you know, into Miami, you know, you don't really... You're not involved in the Ballon d'Or kind of conversation if you're in the MLS. So, um, but, you know, I understand, you know, the fact that he did leave. You know, he did, you know, he did, um, you know, kind of take Argentina to the World Cup. You know, he captained them to win it. You know, and he did have a big kind of influence in the World Cup as well. Um, so, I don't know. It's hard... I, I still can't make my mind up if he did deserve it or not. Um, but what we can say definitely is this is this is going to be his last Ballon d'Or uh, award. You know, I think that's we're not going to see him win it again. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, don't really know. But um, in terms of other awards, I, I agree with them all. Maybe Emiliano Martinez. I'm not quite sure. You know, I don't really know if you can base it on just one tournament to win the best goalkeeper of the year. You know, I think Ederson, for example. You know, he won the treble. Um, you know, quite an arc, quite a few other goalkeepers that could have been, you know, ahead of Martinez. But um, in terms of other results, uh, awards, I, I do agree with them all. Um, so yeah, um, we'll definitely have an, uh, uh, we'll definitely have a different Ballon d'Or winner next year. So it'll be interesting to see who it is. Um, so for the final part of the show, Pierce will give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so we had um match the thirty five of the Keeley one. Um, so on Saturday, twentieth of October, we had um, Jumbridge United Motors one, Pawn Steelers one, uh, Gangwon FC one, Jed United one, Guangzhou FC nil, Inch United two, and then on Sunday, the twentieth of October, we had Suwon Samsung Blowings two, Dejan Hana Citizen two, Ulsan Hyundai two, Daegu FC nil, Suwon FC three, FC Seoul four, and that's leaving the table looking like this. So at the top half of the table, um, Ulsan Hyundai. Uh, with a slip up with Pohang, we're now crowned champions of the K League One, and it's the first time in their history that they've um retained back to back, uh, retained their title. Um, so they're at the top of the point, top of the table, with seventy points, ten points ahead of uh, Pohang Steelers with only three matches remaining, and then Guangzhou is now sitting in third position on fifty seven points. So in terms of the bottom half of the table and the relegation scrap, um, you've got Sue on something blowing at the foot of the table. On 26 points, and uh, Gamon FC in 11th on 27, and Suwon FC in 10th position on 32 points. So, in terms of G League One action, uh, Friday 27th October, we had uh, Nagoya Grampus 1, Sagan 2 Su 1. Uh, Saturday 20th October, we had Hoikuro Consul Sapporo 2, Yokohama FC 1, uh, Avrispa Fakoka 0, Yokohama F Marners 4. Um, Serios Osaka uh, beat Gambo Osaka 1-0 in the Osaka Derby. Um, Cash Antlers 0, Urare Diamonds 0, 
Kilto Sanga nil, Alberts Nagata one, um, Shonan Bermel one, Fasel Kobe one, uh, FC Tokyo one, San Hiroshima two, and on Sunday the twentieth of October we had Kawashio Racial one, Kawasaki Frontale one. So this is now match day thirty one of the the J League one, and obviously only three matches remaining, the same as uh, the Korean division. Um, so Fasel Kobe slipped up the weekend. Um, they managed to nick a draw in the end against Sean Alberni who are fighting the flies down at the bottom of the table and that allowed uh, Yokama Marnoff to now close that gap from five points down to two points in the, the for the, the title so we've got Vassil Kobe at the top of the table on 62 points Yokama Marnoff in second on 60 points and then we've got third position over the diamonds on 54 points and then f- closely followed behind them by Sanfetchi Roshma and Nagoya Grampus in fourth and fifth respectively both on 51 points. So in terms of relegation battle, we've got Yokama FC at the foot of the table on 18th position on 26 points, Shonan Belmer 17th on 28, and then Kashi Russell in 16th position on 30, and then just above them you've got Kyoto Sanga in 15th position on 33 points, and in 14th position Gamble Osaka on 34. So it's um, set for a fantastic finale in both the Korean and Japanese first divisions. And um, in terms of both relegation and the title chances and European uh, Champions League place, uh, Asian Champions League places, sorry. So in terms of other Asian football news, the K-League 1 has decided to increase the number of players um, of the substitutes list to nine starting from the 2024 season. That will be um, the K-League 1 only. Yeah, so uh, Guangzhou FC manager Lee Jung-Hyo has said that he would like to take on a managerial um, position in an overseas league like Ange Postacoglu in the future. He is currently learning Japanese and English. Uh, Pohangsteel's game last weekend could result in a forfeit. Um, in that game, Pohang used a substitute player without the player being substituted out due to a mistake by the coaching staff. The game continued like this for six minutes. Um, Pohang brought in a substitute player to replace Kim Yong-Hwan, who was receiving treatment outside the sidelines. Um, however, the name substituted to the referee by the staff was Kim and Kim and Sung, not Kim Young Wan. Kim and Sung played for six minutes without knowing this. Um, so South Korea and Birmingham defender Kim Min Jae is ranked twenty second for the twenty twenty three men's Ballon d'Or. Kim twenty six um, had a stellar year at both Napoli and Bayern. Um, so Napoli won the Serie A before moving to German giants at Bayern Munich where he's formed a formidable partnership with Matthias Dillett. Um, what an achievement to rank so high and is the first Asian defender to ever be nominated for the FIFA Ballon d'Or. Uh, yeah, so incredible achievement. Um, so FC Machid, Machida Zelvia have been crowned as J-League 2 champions and will be in the J-League 1 next season. An unbelievable achievement for the club as this will be the set to make their debut campaign in the G League 1 starting in the 2024 season. So um, exciting times to have another club in the G League 1. So FC Tokyo are the latest G League 1 club to adopt a new modern club crest. Um, it received mixed reviews online from fans as they've loved the classic badge that the capital club was synonymous for. Um, so FC Tokyo's slogan for the new unveiling of the badge is a new chapter, a new emblem, a new SC Tokyo. And that's all your Asian football news.
Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, Tolly, for coming on today. My pleasure. Really good debut. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Chugu podcast. Uh, this podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chugu uh, website and also the Football Chugu YouTube channel. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone.